Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello again, friends, and welcome to September, and welcome on in to episode 200 of The Sco Show. Mark Schofield back in the big chair for today, Wednesday, September 1st, 2021. We've made it to September, we've made it to football, we've made it to roster cutdown day, and if you're listening to this show, you probably knew know what we're going to talk about today. Because Tuesday, August 31st was roster cutdown day, and many of you probably woke up to the news. Mac Jones is your Patriots starting quarterback. So what are we going to do today? We're going to focus on three things. We're going to focus on how Mac Jones won the job, what the offense is going to look like now with him, and what's next for Cam Newton. I think those are the three questions that we sort of need to focus on today. Before we do any of that, your usual cavalcade of reminders, please do follow along with the hijinks on Twitter, at Mark Schofield. Check out the work at a number of places. USA Today's Touchdown Wire, where we are launching Wired, which is going to be sort of a weekly web series. Myself, Luke Easterling, Doug Farrar, Laurie Fitzpatrick, we're going to have, you know, takes upon takes upon takes. You'll be looking for that to debut prior to week one. The first episode will drop sometime next week. Uh, we, we did a dry run for that on Tuesday. The show is going to be super fun. Very excited about that. Of course, you can follow the printed work over at USA Today's Touchdown Wire. Also, of course, Big Blue View. Bleeding Green Nation, where myself and Rachel Prevet talk about quarterbacks each week from an Eagles perspective. Although the show that's going to be dropping today, we spent a good deal of time on camp. Um, so you can listen to that. Also going to be doing some work over at Blog of the Boys, some Dak Prescott stuff. So it's going to be a very, very, very busy fall. Also, in terms of this show going forward, we'll have one show next Wednesday prior to the season opener. And then after the week one game, look for shows to drop for Monday mornings. Or actually, no, wait, I forgot about that. More like Monday afternoon, Tuesday morning for sort of a post game. We're not doing the instant reaction show anymore. It's it, We're doing things a little bit differently. And then a Wednesday show as well. So we'll go back to two shows a week once the season starts. But But let's dive into those sort of three questions. Let's start with the first one. How did Mac Jones win this job? 
And I think it's illustrative to look at and to listen to what Josh McDaniels had to say about Mac Jones this morning because both Bill Belichick and Mac Jones met with the media this morning. Josh McDaniels on Mac Jones. Belichick, pretty tight-lipped about stuff, but McDaniels was a bit more open about Mac Jones. Quote, I really feel confident about his approach, his ability to process information, and really his ability to make a mistake and learn from those. He's a great listener. He really showed at a young age the ability to put those mistakes behind him. He's learned how to operate what we've asked him to operate so far fairly well. He's improved and he continues to make progress. He's generally taking care of the football. And it's that part right there. He's learned to operate what we've asked him to operate so far fairly well that won him this job. And I'll tell you why. I've done two YouTube deep dives into Mac Jones so far. One from the Washington game and the other from the Giants game. And in both of those games, particularly the Giants game, you saw clear evidence of Mac Jones running core Patriots concepts extremely well. For example, in the Giants game, you saw touchdown pass to Zuber, Hoss Juke, single high, freeze the safety, throw the seam ball, fit it in between multiple defenders, touchdown. And then later in the game, hitch to Stevenson, Hostuke. Off coverage, they're giving you this, the hitch route on the outside, taking easy money. Vertical stuff, putting it where it needs to be. Play action stuff, where you've got to whip your eyes around and pick up the coverage, pick up the crossers, see what's going on in the secondary quickly because you've had to turn your back to the defense. Running it efficiently, snapping his head and his eyes around to pick up receivers, coverages, leverage in the secondary, doing it incredibly well. Seam route to the tight end and verticals, it's covered, put the football to the back shoulder. If you think historically about the traits that the Patriots emphasize at the quarterback position, quick decision making, ball placement and accuracy, putting your receivers in a position to be successful after the catch, to maximize yardage after the catch, which is the foundational principle of this, like many, offenses. Mac Jones did that incredibly well. So in those preseason games, he showed you the ability to, as McDaniels talked about, operate what they've asked him to operate fairly well. There's another layer to this. And this will creep into the Mac I mean, to the Cam discussion a little bit later. The Wednesday joint practice. It is not lost on me, nor should it be lost on you. The cycle of Wednesdays in the rise of Mac Jones from intriguing day two quarterback selection to starting quarterback for the New England Patriots week one of his rookie season. Because if you think back to the Senior Bowl, and I have said this, I have told this little story before, you could feel, even from miles away, I wasn't in Mobile. 
because of COVID. But I watched the film and I talked to people that were on the ground and I read the timeline just like you. You could feel the earth move with respect to Mac Jones's draft stock that Wednesday at the Senior Bowl. Because Tuesday's the baseline day at Senior Bowl week, right? You get a feel for each player, then you want to see Wednesday. How do they take to the instruction from Tuesday? How do they implement that on the field Wednesday? Now these quarterbacks have had a day thrown into these receivers. What does it look like now? Mac Jones went out on Wednesday and showed that week at the Senior Bowl. He was the best quarterback there. He was the best quarterback there. He had an opportunity, and he seized it on a Wednesday down in Mobile at the end of January. And almost overnight, he went from day two pick, somebody's getting this kid in the first round. Fast forward to August. He has an opportunity on a Wednesday. Joint practices with the New York Giants. He has an opportunity to step into this situation as the starting quarterback, the number one guy because of Cam's absence. And what does he do? He seizes that moment. By all accounts, had a tremendous day that day. And then when Cam came back on Thursday, it wasn't as good, but I I think... The die had been cast by that moment. So you have these two days, these two Wednesdays that tell the story of the rise of Mac Jones from day two pick to starting quarterback as a rookie week one for the New England Patriots. And I also think it highlights a trend we are seeing in the National Football League where the joint practices are what matter for the top tier players. The preseason games themselves, when there's less you can truly control as a coaching staff, it looks like teams are going to use those to evaluate the back half of the roster, the bubble guys, the threes and the fours. Joint practices during the week, when you can script stuff, when you can have an idea of what the other coaches are doing, that's going to be used to evaluate the starter types. So in my mind, when people ask me, that's how Mac Jones won the job. He ran the offense well. He showed the things that the Patriots tend to value at the position at a high level. He had an opportunity and he seized it much like he did down in Mobile for the Senior Bowl. And and what's the phrase for miracle? Great moments are born of great opportunity. Mac Jones has had these opportunities because hard work has put him in that position. And he has seized those moments. And as a fan, as a coach, as a former athlete, like you have to appreciate when a player has an opportunity and seizes that moment. And I think it bodes pretty well for his NFL career. So that's how Mac Jones won the job. Up next, what will the offense look like with him? And what's next for Cam? That's ahead here on episode 200 of The Sco Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. 
With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Mark Schofield back with you now here in episode 200 of the Sco Show. A bit of a milestone episode, I guess. Nah, we don't need to have a celebration. Anyway, let's talk now about what the offense will look like with Mac Jones at the helm. And I remember post-draft where I started looking at what the offense might look like with Mac Jones. Because remember, there was this this movement that, oh, Mac Jones, he's the perfect scheme fit. He's the perfect fit. He's the perfect Patriots quarterback. And myself, Benjamin Solak, others kind of poured some cold water on that idea. Now, two things can be true. And I I, I do think two things are true here. One, Mac Jones, as we talked about in the first half of this show, has the traits, the positional traits that the Patriots value at the quarterback position. Quick decision-making, ball placement, accuracy, a command and knowledge of the system, ability to put the football where it needs to be to maximize yardage after the catch. Like, those general traits, positional traits, position-specific traits, Mac Jones has. But in terms of the like purely offensive system that he ran at Alabama, when contrasted with the offense that we expect the Patriots, well, not that we expect the Patriots to run, that's the wrong way to put this, that the Patriots have run in the past, it's not as clean a one-to-one as you might expect. For example, take play action. We know play action is a part of what the Patriots have done traditionally. And play action was certainly part of what Mac Jones did at Alabama. Jones, for example, led all college passers, according to Sports Info Solutions, with 212 attempts off of play action. So you would think, hey, he runs play action, runs it a ton, ran it a ton at Alabama. It's going to be the same, right? Not quite. Because the Patriots, as we typically know, they like to go play action. Still, it's quick game stuff, right? Play action crosser. You know, play action shallow. Play action quick out, something like that. Get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly. Again, go for yardage after the catch. Mac Jones at Alabama. Of his 212 attempts, he completed 167 of those for 2,644 yards, 23 touchdowns, and just two interceptions. He had an intended air yards mark of 1,798. When he went play action in Alabama, he was pushing the ball downfield. And so it's not quite the like one-to-one that you might expect. It, it, he's running play action, but he's looking deep, not shallow. 
RPO game, right? We know RPO is a big part of the college game. Jones attempted 78 passes last year in RPO designs, which was 10th in college football. He completed 73 for 890 yards, 10 touchdowns, zero interceptions. Now, RPO is not a big part of the Patriots offense yet. But I do think we might see more of that. And what's interesting, get into sort of the trait discussion, on those RPOs, out of the 890 890 yards that he threw, just 153 of those were air yards. So you get to that yardage after the catch. That's kind of where it could show up for Mac Jones, the ball placement on those designs, leading to receivers getting yardage after the catch a trait that the Patriots obviously value at the position. So I think we're going to see play action. We're going to see RPOs, but it's going to be a little bit different, I think, than in the past. You might see more vertical stuff off of play action. You might see more RPO game. For example, you know, the New England Patriots, they didn't do a ton of RPOs. Cam did have 18 passing attempts on RPOs in 2019. I mean, 2020. Brady had 17 in 2019. It's not something to do a ton of. I think once these games get going for real, you'll see more, more RPO stuff. Now, in terms of like your drop back passing game, I, I, I argued mesh as one of the things you're going to see a lot more from the New England Patriots because Mac Jones ran a ton of mesh. He also ran a lot of slot fade, but a ton of mesh concept stuff. Evan Lazar who's on the ground all the time, tweeted during the Giants game that you have seen a ton of mesh from Mac Jones this season. And in a piece I did a touchdown wire, I highlighted mesh against Washington. In the video breakdown I did on YouTube of his game against Washington, I picked out another mesh play. You're going to see a lot of mesh. They called it railroad at Alabama, Sarkeesian Railroad was his term for it. Usually mesh sit with a running back wheel. You are going to see a ton of that once these games get going for real. And so the offense is going to be different. And yeah, I know a lot of people just destroyed me when I wrote this piece, when I did some media appearances after I said, oh, how do you think you know more than Bill Belichick? How do you think you know more than Josh McDaniels? I don't. I'm not saying that. I'm just an idiot. I know that. But in terms of what Mac Jones has done in the past, these are the things that he's done. And these are the things that we're seeing NFL teams do for their young quarterbacks. Now, I've I've said this before. I've talked about this before years ago when I wrote a piece for the Pro Football Weekly Draft Guide about how coaches are getting their young quarterbacks ready to go. I talked to people smarter than me. And they all told me, look, if I were an offensive coordinator in the NFL with a rookie quarterback, the first thing I'm doing is getting his high school and his college playbooks. And then I'm sitting down with him and saying, circle the plays that you liked to run and we'll get them in the playbook and we'll get them in the game script and you're going to run them a ton. A comfortable quarterback running stuff he's familiar with is a confident quarterback 
And then a confident quarterback is a successful quarterback. So I think that's how the Patriots offense is going to look like. You're going to see more RPOs. You're going to see a lot of mesh. You're going to see vertical stuff off of play action. I, I Sitting here right now, I think that's what it's going to look like, at least in the passing game. Let's close it out with this. What's next for Cam? I thought it was surprising that the team outright released him in the moment. The more I think about it, I think, look, if you're Bill Belichick, if you're the New England Patriots, and you're going to go in on Mac, you go all in. You know, if you simply designate Mac as the starter, but keep Cam, it looks like a hedge. It looks like a hedge. It leaves room for doubt. It creates an opportunity for a distracted locker room. I think by releasing Cam, it's look, it's the burn the boats moment, right? Not to go all old school QB factory with me and Michael Kiss to make a historical reference, but Cortez and his expedition to Mexico, they land in Mexico. Cortez is like first order upon landing, burn the boats. We aren't going back. This is it. Either we accomplish what we're here to do or we die. Period. Full stop. Releasing Cam is the football burn the boats moment. We're not going back on this decision. Like, we're not going to hedge. We're not going to leave ourselves a way out. Max, our guy, we're on to week one. But what's next for Cam? I think Cam is in an extremely interesting position. Now, Bill Belichick met with the media today and said, look, Cam's vaccination status had no role in this decision. And I think because of what I just said, the sort of burn the boats moment, that's right. But now Cam's vaccination status might play a role in what happens next for him. Once Cam got released, every website under the sun wrote, what are the best destinations for Cam Newton? Doug Farrar, the brilliant Doug, wrote ours. And he highlighted a team that had already shown interest, right? The Dallas Cowboys. One problem, Jerry Jones has talked about the vaccination, saying something that you've got to do for your team. And like for individuals out there that aren't on an NFL roster, if you choose not to get vaccinated, that's your decision. But if you're an NFL player, and you choose not to get vaccinated, you are putting what we're trying to do together as an organization, as a team, at risk. Another team, Washington. A reunion with Ron Rivera, a reunion with Scott Turner. The problem, Ron Rivera has beaten cancer, and he has talked rather emotionally about his compromised immune system and what players being unvaccinated in his locker room sort of feels like to him. And so Cam's decision, it's his personal decision, but it might play a role in what happens next for him. I do think that if you're the Dallas Cowboys, your backup situation is bad. Your starter has been banged up. You have a very talented offense. You have a defense that you've certainly improved. You have a division that you could probably win if things come together. I think Washington is the more talented team in that division, but it's the NFC East. Like I, I, I think Dallas can certainly make a run. 
you don't want to waste a season if something happens to Dak. Cam would be a solid choice if he's willing to go and be a backup. But there's real-life implications here. There's real-life situations that are, I think, impacting decisions that are being made from a personnel standpoint. And we have evidence of it. Urban Meyer basically came out and said, yeah, vaccination status played a role. NFLPA is livid about it, as they understandably will be. You know, it's their job to fight for the rights of all players. We've heard anecdotal stories about NFL front offices building their free agency board. They've got players' vaccination status listed. It's a consideration because of the protocols, because of close contact rules. You might have players that come into close contact with an unvaccinated player and their vaccination status might mean they're gone for five days, 10 days, whatever. It can have an impact. And we all know the best ability in the NFL is what, kids? It's availability. And so Cam's status and his future might hinge on that. And ultimately, look, it's... Cam was must-watch TV dating back to his days at Auburn. And... You know, it's it's unfortunate that the injuries, the hits, and all that stuff sort of took their toll. And, you know, we never truly got to see more of the cam we saw, whether it was Auburn or 2015 or even 2017. But the Patriots have made their decision. And now, look, as people that follow this team, as people that cover this team, we go forward now. We see what this kid can do. It's an exciting time to be a Patriots fan because... I will say, you can see it in the video breakdown I did of the Giants game. There was a throw he made on a dig route, working from right to left, where he had to sort of slide in the pocket and it looked like he's backpedaling, right? Because he's got the feet pointed downfield, but he's sliding away from pressure on his right. So it's like he's kind of backpedaling and creates space to make a throw. Longtime Patriots fans saw that play and probably thought Super Bowl 36, 64 max all in, Brady to Troy Brown to get into field goal range. The pocket mannerisms, the movement, how he slid, it was so eerily similar. I was a law school student again, watching somebody my age live their dream while quarterbacking my favorite team. My mind and body was instantly transported back to that moment. I'm not saying Mac Jones is the next Tom Brady. I'm not saying that he's going to be anywhere close to that. But for one instant, I believed. And as we all know, the NFL does so much great work in terms of packaging hope. And now it lies on the shoulders of number 10. That's it for today, kids. I will be back after Labor Day to get us ready for week one, the Miami Dolphins. Until then, friends, have a wonderful and safe Labor Day for those of you here in the States. Those of you listening north of the border that perhaps got a new puppy, Brewski. Good luck with Brewski. He's an adorable pup. You know who I'm talking about. I saw an Instagram story of Brewski watching Good Morning Football. He's a good pup. Until then, friends, until next Wednesday, stay safe. Check in on your loved ones. Wash your hands. And when you do, sin along. And bless those Patriots' reigns down in Foxville.